are listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe, Vince, and Marty. for the Lord, this is Roger, and this is going to be our year-end episode where we're going to be discussing our favorites of the year. It's kind of like the Game Awards, although, again, as I've said every single year, if you're new to the podcast, here's the speech. These are the games that meant something to us. We're not saying these were necessarily the best games, nor are we saying that they were reviewed the best or anything like that. We're going by what we feel. So you may very well disagree with some of these choices, but that's the beauty of discussing things like this. So we're going to be talking about the games that had the biggest impact on us, what we're looking forward to, and a variety of other things. So it is going to be a very fun discussion. What we're going to start off with, though, was a very good suggestion from Vince because we have been doing a lot more table topping um, by way of our, like the the D&D sessions, the Shadowrun, Tales from the Loop and all that. And we have been discussing a variety of tabletop games and RPGs throughout the year too. A little bit more this year, I think, than normal. And that's been fantastic. So we're going to start off with what we feel was the best tabletop RPG for the year for us. So Vince, was your idea? Go for it. Well, I mean, first of all, plot twist. Vince is here. Yay! Nobody cares. You weren't gone that long, dude. (laughs) I can't. (laughs) Get over yourself. (laughs) So, yeah, this was a great year for tabletop and RPG gaming in general. Like, there were so many really creative games that came out. At not, not just including, I mean, Tales from the Loop came out this year. And we've been having such a blast with that game. Yeah. But for me, definitely the best game I have seen this year. And if you go back a few episodes, you can definitely feel that excitement in my voice gushing about it. Had to be Blades in the Dark. John Harper's uh, Victorian-esque heist assassin general uh, underground dirty business game is just so phenomenal, specifically in the way that the gameplay mechanics support and enrich the narrative of being these criminals living on you know the edge of a knife and having that risk versus reward structure in the gameplay that encourages you to push yourself and do daring things that mechanically will then enhance the actual narrative of the game. The way they balance against each other is astonishing to me. It sounded incredible when you talked about it. And he's right. Go back to that episode and... It wasn't just that he was gushing about it, but that I kept bugging him to find out when we were going to play it. It sounded that <laughs> fucking good. So, no, I hear you on that. Okay, Marty, what about you? Well, for me, I just played my first round of the new Morpheum Star Trek game. Uh, it's the 2D20 system. And for me, I think it's going to win best of the year because I don't remember if... Listen, in trumpet terms, I don't know like what games came out this year just because the year in Trump has screwed up my sense of time more than normal. So I'm the Star Trek D 20 game wins um, for me, just because it brings up all the things you want to do in Star Trek, both in terms of serialized DS nine style play, as well as 
whatever alt universe, you know, your JJ Abrams track or your uh, post Dominion War sort of track, it quickly summarizes how to make your character, how to build your character. The rules are confusing, but if you've been playing long enough, you just basically realize it's a wonky kind of um, D&D system that basically is is a little bit between first edition D&D, fifth edition D&D, and uh, you count backwards. It's complicated, but doesn't necessarily so. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that it made no like sense, the, even for you. <laughs> It's, literally, it sounds like somebody really missed Thacko and decided yeah. it needed to be back in a game somewhere. There you go. That's kind of how it is. Like you have to get under you, rolling a D20. You have to get under a particular score, which is great for me since I rarely roll above a 10 and have for a very long time. But it's like rolling with advantage, rolling under an issue, rolling under a number. But instead of like trying to get a high number, you want a low number. But what's cool is more of how you build your character and how the characters can uh, contribute directly into a Trek feel without being uh, super competent by uh, the third show. Um, like part of the problem with Last Unicorn Games version and the Decipher system, you got experience very quickly and very quickly uh, game masters would have to spend a lot of time uh, coming up with over the top ridiculous sorts of challenges, which is not necessarily everyone's style of play. In other words, what makes this system great is not necessarily the system for rolling, but the system in which you build your characters and you put, plug them into your kind of Trekverse and how you build from there. Um, the book itself is big, but like many new generation RPGs, it's got a bad index and uh, the art could use a little work. But what they do nail completely is how you build Trek campaigns and Trek characters uh, without... Um, losing some of the mystique of uh, super competency within a couple of game sessions. Awesome. That sounds cool, actually. Joe, what about you? So mine's going to be a little bit of a weird one and probably one that I don't think we've actually really talked about. But back in the day, I used to play a game called Riffs. And Riffs <laughs> was amazing and fun. And it was like Shadowrun, except much more higher fantasy injected into it as well. So... And, and aliens, because you need spaceships and aliens and weird shit like that, as well as parallel multiverse jumping and, you know, all the good stuff that every sci-fi nerd that is potentially a fan of, like, Doctor Who would like. Um, well, this year, that system got released and updated for Savage Worlds, and that was one of the best things to ever happen to it. It's an amazing setting. It has some great adventure uh, capabilities, but the rule system that Palladium used to have in place was always so overly complicated, and you would spend more time doing character creation and figuring out if your character could actually do something than playing the game. But with Savage Worlds, which is probably my favorite RPG system, because it's a little crunchy, but not too crunchy, and allows players basically the ability to do whatever they want to do with their character without being, like, shoehorned into a class. Okay, hold on a second. Define crunchy. So you roll dice, and the way that it rolls is variable depending on your skill level. Your skill level determines your dice level. So you can either roll a d4, d6, d8, d10, or d12. And the better you are at something, the bigger the die you roll. Your target is always the number four. That's it. That's your target. A four is a hit. A four means you're successful. And then after that, if you get, let's say, an eight... That's a raise, which means not only is your action successful, but it does something above and beyond what you wanted it to do. And this is everything from 
damage to rolling to hit to casting a spell to weird agility stunts so there's a little bit of crunch but it always stays the same it's not variable like you know how in Shadowrun i say you know roll dice and we'll see how many successes you get i have a difficulty setting in my head that says okay they need to have x number of successes here it's not like that it's very flat very you have your targets a four that's what you need to get period but that would mean there'd be very few successes like you're 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 percentage of hitting that is quite low clearly not exactly because here's how it does so you have two different types of characters in savage worlds you have what we call mooks uh which are basically the unskilled npcs that are sort of like the henchmen they don't really do anything and then you have the heroic classes the hero heroes like pcs and and named villains or named antagonists well you get what's called a hero die so let's say your skill in hand-to-hand fighting is a d4 you also get to add a hero die to it. So you get to roll a D4 and a D6. And either one of those could potentially uh, okay. be, be that four or give you that that ability to hit. Gotcha. So it's it's a, it sounds a little more complicated than it is. And once you get into it, it it, it actually comes very, very quickly to, to people. Uh, to put it in perspective, uh, Tart, who never role-played before she moved up here, like never did tabletop RPG like that, loves Savage Worlds because she knows what number she has to hit all the time. It's never variable. And... That's great. Cool. Now here, they did a fantastic job of importing riffs, this overly complicated system, into the setting, and it blew me away because it was something I did not expect, I didn't see coming, and I would actually really at one point love to run or play in this game because it literally is just Doctor Who on crack, and I love it. Cool. What I find most amazing about Savage Rifts is, like, Role players in general are actually really excited for this because Rifts is kind of one of like the iconic properties in the genre mm-hmm. that nobody actually plays. Because like you said, the rules are an absolute shit show. Not to mention the fact that there's like 114 supplements for it at this point. Yeah. yeah. I just Where remember I- in the back of Dragon Magazine, like, <laughs> and now we've got the Vampire Mega Damage expansion, yeah. Mutant Ninja Turtle expansion, and... Jeez. Listen, that TMNT expansion is actually fucking awesome, <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. Uh, but so, like, a lot of people are really excited to to actually like either start or go back to that setting. Whereas you have the Palladium players who are so afflicted with Stockholm syndrome at this point, <laughs> like, including my old group from back in Florida, who still to this day plays Heroes Unlimited. Oh my is- god which is Palladium's superhero yeah. uh, rule set, which oh is... Oh, my God. Oh, man. I, it's fun as hell, but, yeah, rules on top of rules and numbers. And, like, as as an example, my character in Heroes Unlimited, like, I built him to be, like, this mystical swordsman. I was rolling at a plus 32 to hit. Yeah. I'm only, I'm only rolling a D20, so my bonus is higher than anything I could naturally roll on the dice. It was ridiculous. But anybody in that set hates this because I I mean, they look at it like, Oh, it's dumbing down the game. But I think a lot of it is I've invested so much time and money in buying all these riffs books. No, it has to continue existing in its current form. (laughs) It's, it's it's just hilarious to be looking at the, the two different sides of it. All right. Uh, As for myself, I, I don't get to play a lot of the RPGs like you guys do. Um, Although we have been talking about starting some here as well, but for me, for us, actually, it was the Dresden game that came out that Mm -hmm. really had 
a lot of fun with. And not just myself, but Karen and, and my son, my youngest, um, blast. Just had a blast with it. I've seen them playing it without me. They, It's really a good game. And... And I like the mechanics of it as well too. I really, really enjoyed the mechanics, the because it's it's kind of different from things that I personally have played at least, and I really dig it. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I highly recommend that game. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to video games now. So we're going to start off with what we thought was the best performance of the year. Now, once again, sometimes as we're talking about it too, like we we watch a lot of streams, a lot of reviews, a lot of stuff. Plus, we play clearly a lot of games as well too but sometimes it's going to be based on if we see streams or whatnot and for me personally that's going to be my choice but because i think my choice is probably the same as joe's at least joe what was your top pick no i want to i want you to go first roger i want to see melina. i don't want to i'm wondering it melina from hellblade clearly yeah i mean that i i, I, I think know. we're all on the same page on this one <laughs> it's it it's been really cool watching some of the new stuff that we can look forward to for, for 2018, which we're going to get to at the end of the this episode. But what it, for me, it's fun because, I, again, I watch a lot of these, these the Game Awards show and different things with my youngest son and whatnot. And it's fun because we're often talking about, you know, every year we're seeing that progression of technology that is allowing for experiences that we never would have in some cases even imagined kind of thing. And that is also coming through when they're doing a lot of different capture stuff now, not just the mocap, but different forms of capture and whatnot. And the stuff that they did for Hellblade, just like we got to see live demos of it. It's just above and beyond. And Melina, uh, Jurgens, Yeah. Jurgens performance it was funny seeing her at the game awards saying like i don't even do voice acting or anything like that what was she doing accounting wasn't it or something she like was that a video editor she was a video yeah editor. but you know what though like if you look at that that that's not uncommon like look at look at bastion right the narrator was what he started out he was just one of the programmers like yeah logan, but dude logan you, you hear fucking logan cunningham's voice somewhere you're gonna go dude i got a job but that's, come over here <laughs> but that's what i'm saying like that's that, that's what i think is cool about the, the these types of games and why i think uh, she deserves every, every yeah but i think that we can heap upon her but i think that you're i i don't think you're actually giving her enough credit because you're 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 saying how you know that's what we got with with no, uh, bastion but saying. at the minute but what i mean is when you're you're saying that that doesn't take into account and and I know you know this it's just you know how you worded it uh the the talent that it takes for them to be able to act that as well so but, for me it's not about well we see it often where there's somebody that's spectacular that's doing a job they shouldn't kind of thing but her performance was above and beyond that and right. and, and it's just it's so far above for me personally it is so far above what we have seen, holy fuck, for years, if ever. I'm, I'm, I'm so floored by it that it, again, I would have expected that from a seasoned professional actress, not just voice actress, actress as well, because of all the, the facial capture they did on her. It's, it fucking blows my mind. So what I was going to finish saying there was, I understand what you're saying, and that wasn't my intention. The last thought was, it's not that we see this all the time, it's that these people cared about the role that they were playing oh, yeah. 
that's the difference maker. And that's why I'm comparing it to, to like Logan Cunningham, at least in that same vein, because he cared. Yeah, he, but he loved that role. She loved that role. But on top of that, she was in, in, when she accepted her award at the award show and everything like that. You could see how much she cared about the value of the work and what it meant in context of what they were trying to do. And it affected her. And that that care, that sort of uh, that right there, I feel propelled her not just because of her talents, but because she was so invested in that character. And it shows I would argue. And and again, it's not to be, you know, confrontational, but I would argue that if there was a role that came up or something like that, that I really cared about, I still could not do that. Like, I mean, caring about something will only take you so far after that. You're just a gifted individual who can act like this. And she was one of those unicorns that's hidden that we knew nothing about that. Holy fucking hell. I'm hoping she's going to continue now. So you are clearly on the same boat. Uh, Vince, you were saying the same thing. Marty, what about you? Absolutely. Oh, for me, it was Nathan Fillion with Cade Six. Just because, <laughs> like, there's it's a lot of fun, a lot of jokey. But when he says I- "Io," she's on Io. It's like right there, you get to see a side of Cade Six that you don't see anywhere else in the game, and you haven't really seen since D One, uh, because it's it shows a side of Cade that is not ser- uh, not funny, where he's actually being serious, and it shows that he actually cares about the people in his fire team. So, uh, and Nathan, well, Fillion he cares really about her. That. He cares about her. He cares about Zavala. Uh, only because Zavala needs him. That's all he cares about. <laughs> well, I, uh, we could have this conversation. I think I think Cage Six, when we get his expansion, hopefully oh, when we yeah. go to the Deep Stone Crypt, like that's going to be amazing. And if we don't get Nathan Fillion doing it and we get Hero to come back, I think 2018 will be the year of Hero for me. But that's we'll get there when we get there. Actually, the stuff that he did for when you are getting your other specs and you go through the little history lesson thing. Oh, yeah. The ones that he does especially are incredibly well acted. Like you're getting the the right level of depth to the conversation in the ports that, that warrant it. And, yeah, I really dug those a lot. Yeah, you're getting a good mix of comedy and of seriousness and that, you know, Nathan Fillion is a talented actor who actively loves these roles. So I think that just supports the argument that you guys just had just a couple of seconds ago. Awesome. Okay. Best narrative. Joe, we'll start with you on this one. This I struggled with because there have been a lot of really good games as far as what their narrative goes and in the context of it, the, the criteria for it is it's so mercurial. This is one that I, I don't know if people will agree with me but I'm going to give this to Hob. And the reason I'm going to give it to Hob is because it was one of those things where the narrative is there in the world. Everything you do reveals it. And it does it in such an organic way that you, the story is revealed to you. Everything is revealed to you through the eyes of your character as if your character was discovering it for the first time because they are. And it was so supremely well done that it just blew me away. Good choice. Okay, Vince. Surprising, I would assume absolutely no one. Best narrative for me this year goes to Near Automata. Yep. In the way it tells its story through gameplay devices largely of multiple playthroughs. 
like once you've finished you know the first playthrough of the game you've barely started like the 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 twists it throws at you is that and this isn't really a spoiler the the character you play in your first playthrough to be is not the main character of the game She's just your introduction to the world through her expertise in combat. And it's once you play through your second, third, and fourth times with other characters that look at the world in different ways. Like, your second playthrough is literally just playing through the same story of your first one, again, from a different character's point of view with different gameplay mechanics, that completely changes the way you look at the world. And then after that, you actually jump ahead to essentially a second chapter uh, with uh, two more playthroughs of gameplay available to you. Again, looking at things from different points of view and the way it continues to build upon its narrative, which with each like successive attempt. And not just that, but the how important so many of the side quests are to fleshing out the narrative and finding all of the the little like hidden stuff in the world and even so far as when you upgrade your weapons each weapon has its own story that you can only like finish your weapon story by upgrading it to its highest level like the way that game told its story like the actual narrative of the game is by far the most unique thing i've played in a long time and easily the best of it I actually got to like that game a lot more after it had come out because beforehand I was thrown off by some of the design choices with it. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, though, I did watch a crap load of streams on it and I actually got it and I played through some of it. But I, I actually haven't finished one playthrough yet. So I know that there's still a lot left for me to do in the game and that's fine. But I'm glad that I was able to watch the streams and get a little bit more of an appreciation for what it is because it, for me personally, it wasn't presented well enough beforehand. So, yeah, no, it's a fantastic story. Uh, Marty, what about yourself? So for me, I I mean, this is going to be, for the most part, what aspects did Marty love of Destiny more than he loved of anything else? <laughs> So then, out of the way, this isn't Marty's game of the games of the year award. It's Marty's game <laughs> of the year award. <laughs> my game of the year, totally different. Now, uh, I love I love Ikora's story because it ends in uh, Curse of Osiris, uh, or at least it, we have another chapter ending in Curse of Osiris because she gets the most. Um, evolution out of any of the characters that we work with from D1. In D1, she's the know-it-all and she's wrong, but she doesn't know it. In D2, she's wrong and she knows it and she learns that she has to be better. And then we get to her climax is showing us a power that we've never seen before in the game uh, to help her old mentor, thereby surpassing her mentor. Uh, for me, that was awesome. And uh, you cannot do better as a voice actor uh, than Ikora's, whose name has just escaped me. Um, I was going to say Zoe Deschanel, but that is not her. Not in the slightest. Gina Torres. Torres. Yes. Who I loved since Alias and was also, you know, in Firefly. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. She was in Alias? She was in Alias. Dude, I haven't seen Alias in, well, since it was out, but we love that show. Which, uh, yeah. Which season was she in, do you recall? Towards the end or beginning? Towards the beginning, and I'm trying to remember if she was the... Uh, if she was um, 
the first nemesis or if she was her uh, Sydney's best friend. I'm trying to remember that part. It's I'm going to have to go back me. and watch it. Because I remember, yeah. especially what I remember from that is Victor Garbo. Hey, holy crap, was he ever good in that? Oh, my God. He's been awesome. So I, that's when I fell in love with him. And now I yeah. will watch anything he's in, including on occasion Legends of Tomorrow. But that is a story. For Don't knock that. All right. It's getting better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. For myself, I uh, we saw a lot of the as they are being known now as the walking simulators. Um, we saw more of them last year. And for whatever reason, if done properly, I really dig those a lot. I like the exploration, going around and figuring shit out. And the more that you are figuring out that is in the world and you got to go find it, it's not being spoon fed to you, the more I enjoyed it. So the games like what remains of Edith Finch and, and, and I know that, it was not nominated for fuck all, but man, Layers of Fear for me this year was an experience. And I'll get into that a little bit later on, but both of those I thought were spectacular for narrative for kind of the same reasons as you feel with Hobjo in that the story's there and you're going to find it kind of thing. And with what remains of Edith Finch, certainly, yeah, you're getting the narration and also layers of fear, but you're getting as much from the story, from the effort that you put into it to go and investigate everything, look at everything, read everything you can, activate whatever you can, figure out the little puzzles and all that. So you have to actively be a participant. You have to actively go out seeking that narrative so that you can then get more from the story. So it's, it's a carrot on the end of a stick that is insanely rewarding. The, the, the more you put into it, the more you'll get out. And, and I really, those for me were the best ones. Can I just uh, put in a quick aside here with, I, I, I agree with everything you said. Edith Finch was probably number two for me this year, as far as narrative is. But when they won at the Game Awards and went up on stage, I was like, huh, that's pretty much exactly what I picture a giant sparrow looking like. <laughs> yeah, right? right. They are very unique individuals, and God bless them for it. Yeah. Okay, moving on to best art design. I'll start this one off because for me, it was so fucking easy to choose. Cuphead. <laughs> Cuphead. Cuphead. Yep. I, I, if you are... The, it's one of those rare games for me that I feel where... Um, watching the streams, even though you're seeing exactly what the person playing uh, uh, is seeing, you're not getting the same, you're not getting the same feel from it. You're not appreciating just what it is that you're playing. It's so fucking weird, but it's true. Trust me, because again, I've watched streams of other people playing. I've watched all the videos and my son and I have been playing it. And there's just something about, being alive, quote unquote, in that world and playing it, it, it is unfucking believable. It is un, no amount of really cool style or incredible detail to me can possibly come close to what they accomplished with this game. Joe, what about you? Come on, I mean, I figured, but I thought I'd ask. I mean, it was so easy. Like just just cuphead takes it hands down just the amount of care that they put into the animation and the process of animating yeah. every cell of that game it shows and it is phenomenal everything there's <laughs> nothing i can't say that isn't just glowing about it the only other thing i'll say and then we'll move on to the others is 
part of what I also love about the art design, the art style of it, it's not just the the style and the genre of how it looks. It's just how fucking wacky and crazy it is at points where you are dying while you're trying to do certain maneuvers just because you're looking around and going, holy shit, did you see that? Like, yep. <laughs> And that's part of the fun is just seeing really insanely imaginative, like tripping on LSD scenes that are a ton, ton, ton of fun to play. Okay, Vince, what about you? I mean, since this category is such a non-competition, I'll give my second place award <laughs> to Persona 5. Uh, right. Not just the actual, like, in-game character artwork and, like, the designs there, which are pretty much standard for the Persona franchise, but very specifically the way the game is presented through the UI and how the menus and, like, the in-battle... Uh, it interface as well as like just you know the general like dialogue boxes and whatnot do such a great job of conveying a a feeling and an emotion through pure style so without a doubt uh the second best art direction of the year for me is persona 5 cool okay marty what about yourself hey, what so- was it about destiny 2 that you really like the art <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for my number one art design, I'm giving it to Hob. Uh, it was the first nice. game I wanted to play so bad that I, you know, installed uh, Windows 10 on my Mac. So it w- I thought it was an absolutely gorgeous game t- that, you know, the environment was telling this really intricate story that I'm still nowhere near close to finishing, but I absolutely love that. So, yeah, awesome. Good choice. Okay. Now we're going to move on to best sound and score. Now, these are very different things, so if you have different games for both, feel free, clearly. And we'll start with Joe. I mean, I think you already know what I'm going to say. So what's your runner-up then? Uh, (laughs) I don't really have a runner-up. Like, like that's the thing. Like You do. You just don't realize it yet. But as soon as I say it, you'll go, yeah, you're right. But I mean, again, if anybody's curious, I'm giving it to Cuphead as well for like as far as what my top was, just because the way that the music was done, look, the big band assembly was just absolutely amazing to watch. The 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 old school jazz was amazing to hear, as well as all of the sounds inside of the game, with some exceptions or a couple that were a little too like you know tingy or, or tinny whatever. But other than that, like they just. Cuphead gets that for me. Say, so, yeah, I'd argue that even those sounds are very iconic of that time. So, oh, yeah. for me, it's still fit. Yeah, it's annoying, but it's like, yeah, that's what it was. And you're right. For me, too, Cuphead, Cuphead definitely, definitely, again, it's one of those like uh, well above, above and beyond, unbelievable. If it wasn't for the price of it, I'd own the vinyl set for that because it's, it's that fucking impressive. For the, the other one for me, the runner-up, is is more sound than score, and that was Hellblade. What they did with sound design for that game is ugh, to be commended. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, um, Marty, what about yourself? Uh, so for me, this one's back to normal. Uh, the score for <laughs> Curse of Osiris is amazing. <laughs> I have enjoyed thoroughly listening to that, like, not even when I'm just playing the game, but also like at work or through Spotify. So awesome. Okay. Vince, what about you? I, this is one of those, I'm just kind of giving an award to everything (laughs) because Roger, you were spot on. 
as far as sound design, uh, definitely Hellblade, the way it, it, it it's, it's such a gameplay element. Yeah. Uh, overall, like sound in general, I have to go with Persona between uh, music and voice acting. I, I think it's ranks so highly in both of those categories. But for specifically score and in-game music, that one I have to go with Near Automata because it's just insane. Like the, I I still like I'll catch myself at work like humming along to some of the tunes in that game. It is phenomenal. Cool. Okay, best or most improved MMO or online game. So kind of leaving it pretty open there. Marty, why don't you tell us how much better D2 was than D1 and how <laughs> great the matchmaking is becoming the clan features? Well, if that was my choice, I would totally do it. Come that. on. Oh, it's man. Not, it's not because I've this is the year that I've pretty much taken a break from MMO and online gaming. But from everything I've read and seen from you guys, as well as my old WoW crew, uh, I'm giving this to Final Fantasy 14 because people that I didn't That's know my boy. didn't play the game are now like deep in the game. My my Feathermoon uh, Discord channel is all about uh, Final Fantasy 14. My buddy Greg, who some of you may know, is deep in the game. So if they're playing it and you guys are talking about it and it makes me want to play it, it wins. Wait, hands wait, down. Is the Feathermoon server still up? Oh, yeah. Dude, that yeah. was actually one of the first servers that I was on. Holy shit. That's... Dude, Fe- and Feathermeat's still a thing, too. Oh, wow, yeah. That was a long fucking time ago. Holy shit. Okay, sorry. Yeah, I still I saw <laughs> my cloak and wizard hat, so we're all good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Joe, what about you? So this is actually a recent one, and what I'm I started playing it on a humbug. Uh, because I was I feeling an itch for a Diablo style game. And I remember trying it a long time ago and not really feeling it. But I went back to it recently because the new season started. They've released a whole bunch of new content for it. Path of the or Path of Exile. Another like, strong choice. Like everything they've put in the game there, the, the, the way that it is, like all the mechanics of it, it the barrier to entry has definitely lowered. Um, and even though like the skill trees and everything are still very, very complicated, they've done enough tweaking with the UI and how things flow that it, it makes sense to a newbie. Like I've done, I made it a point to do like zero research going into it. I didn't want to look anything up on the wiki. I didn't want to do anything with that. I just wanted to go in and see how the game felt. And it feels just like Diablo two used to feel like as far as for me, like new and fresh and, and that difficulty curve as well. And the fact that it's got like fucking 10 acts worth of shit might be actually 13 or 14. Like there's a ton. It's ten with a post game after. So there's there's roughly yeah thirteen chapters worth of gameplay, but there's only actually ten chapters of story. But yeah, but it it surprised me. It like it absolutely surprised me how much fun I'm having with it. And compared to the first time when I just I could not play it when I first tried it like a year and change ago. So they get they get credit for that. Awesome, Vince. Uh, yeah, got to be Final Fantasy fourteen. Stormblood was such a phenomenal expansion as far as what it added and more importantly improved in the game and the things that they're continuing to improve with their successive patches like it's continuing to grow in very positive ways to the point where like i still like i don't even have a max level character yet i still haven't finished the stormblood story because there's just so much to 
do in that game and not like a daunting oh my god i've got to do all this shit it's no like i spent a stupid amount of time over the past uh during the fall like a couple months when i should have been leveling and progressing the story i was instead focusing on you're making a fucking casino (laughs) Well, yeah, making my casino, but as part of being a casino owner, I feel there are certain things in game that I need to accomplish, certain titles I need to earn to, to you know, up my reputation in the casino world. So, like, I spent a lot of time, like, we've talked about Triple Triad, like, we know how great the card game is, but getting really deep into the system of chocobo racing, not just racing, but breeding, and getting into pedigrees and... <laughs> It's so deep, but satisfying, like actually like, you know, getting, you know, raising the the next generation, you know, pedigree level four and seeing how much faster and more maneuverable it is than his, his father was, let's just say. And it's, again, there are just so many things in that game, gathering, crafting, like they even managed to make like daily and weekly objectives very entertaining and and fun to do. Like I, yeah, without a doubt. And for me, despite the fact that for now and since the release on PS4, I've been playing primarily Destiny 2, that's kind of my runner up. I still have to give it to Overwatch. Despite the loot box fiasco that has been this year, theirs is not the worst of it. They're certainly not selling $100 loot boxes for fucking mounts. But for what it does, it does it so exceptionally well. And again, we've seen now Bungie fucking up a number of times, even since Destiny 2 has come out, and they're still tweaking and fixing. Although, again, it's Destiny 2. Some of this shit should have been kind of fixed long before 2 came out. But Overwatch has just been consistently solid. The The gameplay is always spot on and fun. The different arena modes are always fun. Like right now, I fucking hate May. I've not hidden this fact. <laughs> I hate May. The event that's going on right now is a handful of Mays against a Yeti. And it's a blast. It's a lot of fun, whether you are the Yeti or the May is a ton. And the Yeti, by the way, is Winston if you don't play Overwatch. But the it's fun in either way, and you can clearly win in either way if you work as a team or if you a couple of things you can do as, as a Winston. But it's a ton of fun, and they're doing that consistently. If they could just get their loot box shit in order, which I don't think they will, I don't anticipate it, but at least we're getting new content on a regular basis that's rock solid and plays well and you don't have to worry about it. So I got to give it to them. So moving on to, I put in best VR. Should I insert cricket noises or do any of you actually have something for this? And it's cool if you don't, I'm just asking. Not in as far as the best VR game I've played, because of course that is an exceptionally short list, but looking at the VR landscape of, if I had VR, this is the thing I would really want to play. Uh, Star Trek Bridge Crew. Yeah. Because it's cool as shit, plain and simple. Marty, what about you? 
Yeah, I don't have a VR headset and I was looking for stuff and nothing really spoke to me with the possible exception of Bridge Crew. But I don't even have enough friends who would play VR that would be able to do that, I think. So, okay, you got anything? Not for this one. Okay. Unless you want to talk about Virtual Boy. I mean, then I at least play those. <laughs> and Wario's Castle was pretty great. It was. All right. I will actually agree. Star Trek Bridge Crew for me was also the the highlight of the year. The the fact is, is that it is as close as, and, it, and, and I mean, hopefully I still got a few years ahead of me <laughs> and VR technology will continue to get better. So we'll get even cooler. But the fact that I have this in my lifetime now is pretty fucking incredible to me. I, it just blows my mind that you can slap on a headset and be in a fucking holodeck. And again, Yes, you're limited in terms of what you can do in it, certainly. And it's not like you are completely, although at times you are kind of a little lost, but it's not like you're completely lost and and feel you're in there. But but you kind of do to a certain degree. There's, there's something that's very hard to explain about how engaging it is. And then when you layer on top of that the fact that it's just a very, very, well-constructed VR game because that's tricky right now with with motion sickness and making use of different headsets and what they can do and things like that. And, and the controllers has a huge impact on your level of immersion as well. So working with each one of those for the different um, so consoles and stuff. So the fact that you can go in and play as, you know, be it the the ensign or the science officer or the captain or whatever it's it's seamlessly done it's so well done and you can bounce around each one has a fantastic play style it's a great great vr game i i was blown away so moving on from there best mobile or handheld so let's start with you marty so my favorite uh handheld game and i played a bunch this year uh, nothing sticks for more than a couple of days, but is a Marvel puzzle, Marvel puzzle quest. I can't stop playing this game. It's a lot of fun. They keep adding new stuff. They just made, did another giant UI change. Uh, so it's a little bit easier, not easier to navigate, but easier to track what's going on in the game, which is kind of neat. But for me, Marvel puzzle quest, number one mobile game. Cool. Okay. Vince. I've actually not really played much of anything mobile or handheld this year. Like, I mean, I played a lot of like Fire Emblem Heroes, but I wouldn't give that a best. Like, it was fun, but not anything special for me. Handheld, the only handheld games I've played this year were basically the old Dragon Quest games being re released. Right. <laughs> so I don't have anything there. So I will just give the awards to insert Nintendo Switch game here because for what that console has done as a handheld, I'm very impressed. Dude, it. <laughs> It was, and I'm sure Joe can agree with me on this. This was kind of hard a, ca- a category to be thinking about because I'm thinking, well, shit, I could say fucking Zelda if I wanted to, or Mario because I mean I was totally going to change. Yeah, I, I've we've been playing these on the go. They are handheld games. It just happens that they're also fucking consideration for top games of the year kind of thing. Joe, what were you going to say? That that was sort of my struggle, right? Because um, you look at it, and 
Switch has fucked it say. up for us. Yes. It, it really has. <laughs> that said, I, I'm going to give it to a game on the Switch, but probably not one that people think I'm going to. Because I've been playing this a lot in handheld mode specifically. Uh, Battle Chef Brigade. Oh, dude, yeah. Isn't it awesome? <laughs> it, it is It is an amazing RPG, action RPG puzzle game. Like, it, it defies most of the normal conventions as far as categorizing it goes it's just it's so fluid minus some technical difficulties here and there uh and we know that the 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 devs are are really really uh looking into fixing all of the technical problems that are coming up but i'm just blown away by it like dude i'm smiling so big right now (laughs) (laughs) i am so happy you enjoyed it and the amount of voice acting in there too which is surprising it's a great little game. It's just a fantastic little game. I really like it a lot. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Now, for those of you that don't have a Switch, by the way, and I'm just going to throw this out there real quick, it is available on Steam, so you got a computer. Yeah. Go fucking play the game. No excuse not to. Go, go. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's, it is a very fun, compelling game. Again, like we just said, I was thinking about it in terms of, like, I, if I'm being honest with, with, with this and I'm including the Switch... I'm going to definitely give it to Odyssey because it has to, because it is really fun. It, for me, that's the one that I played more on this. And, I mean, Battle, Battleship Brigade is a fantastic game, but it's no fucking Odyssey for me. But if I'm going to kind of try to be, to stay in the zone, the lane more with mobile or handheld, then for me, there's two games. The obvious one, which is hysterical, I'm not saying it's the best, but it's certainly the one that I spent the most fucking time in, was Marvel Sumsum. Okay. Um, yeah, no shit. I'm not saying it's the best, but holy shit. I played the fuck out of that game. I liked this game enough that prior to their announcements that they were closing the their servers, I created a Japanese iTunes account to download the Japanese version, which is separate from the rest of the world. For some reason, they did the contracts differently. So the everyone else in the world, the game is now gone because it was canceled, but the Japanese one is still there. But again, I liked it so much that I got the fucking Japanese one. I got a Google Translate app on my iPhone so I could point my iPhone at my iPad (laughs) to be able to translate (laughs) the shit on the screen so I'd know what powers to use or what characters. So I was a little obsessed with Marvel Sumsum. But that's not the one that I would say was the best for me, the most impactful. Old Man's Journey is a fantastic game not just for a mobile but it's just a fantastic game and it understood that it was a mobile game and so made use of that in very clever ways of altering the landscape to move your character versus just moving your character through the landscape and throughout that you have this incredibly touching this moving story that progresses through not just the actions of your character but also the cinematics periodically when you finish different levels it was a very very well conceived and executed game on all levels just blew me away so with that now let's move on to what we felt our game of the year is And again, that's not necessarily us saying this was the best game, but for me, this was the one that had the most impact and the one that I got to give a nod to. So, Joe, we'll start off with you. Oh, God, this was a hard one. Um, 
there are so many good games that actually released this year, like a surprising amount of them. But there's one that made me do things that I never expected that I would do for the love of a video game. And I'm going to give it to Zelda Breath of the Wild. And this game made me purchase Amiibos. I, I was just going to say, don't you say it's because it made you purchase Amiibos. You that, fucking bought those before, motherfucker. <laughs> no, I bought a single one before. I Seriously, I bought a Shovel Knight one so I could play two players on my Wii U. That was it. Oh, I that thought you had count. a bunch of those. No, oh, okay. I didn't. The only ones I own are Zelda ones. I'll take a picture or post it online later. But like, Dude, you're always Shovel talking Knight, about them. I thought you had a fucking shelf no. full of them. Okay, but, all right. But not only that, but it, it's a fantastic story. The way that the quests and the world experience are just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I have been floored with the depth of of what they've added to the game. And even like the the Master Sword trials, like people are like, oh, it's just a little thing when they added it in for the DLC pack. It's not a little thing. It is incredibly involved. It taxes you as far as problem solving goes and survival goes. It is phenomenal. And then now with the, the DLC Champions Ballad that just released, the amount of shit that they've put into this game, it far blows away almost anything else that's released this year. And there are still things I'm finding in this game. And I love this game so much that when I bought a Switch, I sold my Wii U version of it to buy it for the Switch so I could continue playing it because I wanted to play it again and again and again. And I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm not going to tell you what it does. But anytime you're fighting a, 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 a one of those weird ninja guys, the, the Kuga clan, throw down a mighty banana. Watch what happens. It's hilarious. <laughs> I haven't gotten nearly as far as you clearly, but I've been, like I said, I started playing it and it's a special game. I, I'm already at a point where I can see the landscape of where it's going and it's giving me those same feels as I had uh, with Ocarina. And I... I've been yeah, looking yeah, for that's that. That's exactly it. I, I've been seeking that for many iterations now of Zelda, and I haven't found it. And so now that I'm kind of feeling that again, it's like, oh, I miss this. And it's it makes me want to get in and, and play that much. I, I was playing earlier. And so, yeah, I, I dig that game, too. Marty, Destiny 2? No. Stellaris? Um... <laughs> it was uh, Stellaris. Yeah, it just, I have been. <laughs> oh, hold on. So you you are saying game. Stellaris? I am. It's got to be. They will be happy to hear that. It's two hundred hours oh, in two weeks. <laughs> like, what am I doing? The other thing is this: clearly like, playing Stellaris. <laughs> I know. You can leave. I leave it on, and I, you know, flip through like the ACC comics that I've got to read, or like fold laundry. Um, once I did it during a break at work, and so that's probably a bad thing. But whatever. Um, I, the you can the DLC. I haven't even touched any DLC yet. Yeah, um, outside I. like the community DLC. So once I do that, uh, goodbye everything. So you know, Stellaris game of the year. Awesome, Vince. Much like Joe, this is one I thought about a lot, and I, I realized I was trying to come up with a reason not to pick near automata as my game of the year yeah but so, there's nothing wrong with picking that game it's a no fucking i know insane but game. it's like it's like it's like i was stuck between like near persona and destiny for me and like as i kept going through all of them in my head like i kept coming back to near and like trying to like you know have like a debate with myself of like wait no persona did this really well but i was losing that debate with myself so yeah <laughs> 
it, it's it's got to be near insofar as not only did I adore my time with the game, but since I finished it, the amount of like mental time I've continued to like go back to it to the point where I wish I could go back and continue playing the game. But for a reason I will not ruin, I can't. Yes, please don't ruin it. <laughs> but anybody who played the original Nier will kind of know what I'm talking about. Let's put I, it that I think way. I have an idea, yeah. All right. Well, then clearly I'm going to be the only one to go with getting Destiny 2 because for me it was. I had highlights in gaming in other games throughout the year, certainly a, a variety of them. But I was... Again, based on what we had seen for trailers and early footage and and stuff like that, I already had a fairly high expectation for Destiny 2. And and the fact that it not only met that, but blew so far past, despite the clusterfucks as well, which we have brought up, talked about, and will continue to call them out on shit, but you have to hand it for what is actually in the game and what was done. And had it only just been some improvements to gameplay and things like that, and a few carefully done moments with different characters so that you're getting some story, then I'd feel differently. But that campaign, and I'm not even talking about Curse of Osiris, because I fucking love that too, like really, really loved it a lot. But just the campaign from the main the main game blew me away just fucking blew me away and then all of the improvements to the clan system especially which i know that not everybody is getting as much of a benefit from that but for people who do such as myself because not just our clan which is doing really good and continues to grow we got some great members but i play with with tristan so so much we how we were playing this afternoon and the multiplayer stuff when you have, again, somebody that you can do that with all the time is so fucking well done. So I, on all fronts, again, we call them out on shit, but on all other fronts, it it just exceeded my expectations by so much. And, and one last thing, and this is something that like when Marty, when you were talking about Cade's performance, and I'm not taking away from that. But we clearly agree that the trio was very, very powerful with Zavala and, and Ikora as being really impactful to the story. But Hawthorne's story, here's a secondary character that was just thrown in. And we saw the, and I'm putting respect in air quotes so you can see that I'm being fucking sarcastic here. The respect that they gave to their secondary characters in D1, that they didn't even know fuck all about them and didn't didn't bother to to work out in the story. Now you have Hawthorne that is such an astounding character that when you get that line from Zavala, unfortunately it's a line not delivered by her, but by someone talking to her. But when Zavala calls her a guardian, every fucking time I've seen that scene, whether I'm playing it, I'm helping somebody else through it, I'm doing it through the, um, when you're repeating them for Icor, whatever, I fucking choke up. It is that fucking impactful. It just, it kind of blew me away in that regard. So I, I, I got to give it to them. Yeah, uh, Destiny's a close two, but 
I have to just 200 hours in two weeks. That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that, not healthy. <laughs> I know. All right, let's move on to some of our favorite moments of the year. And that could be gaming moments that we personally had or that we saw in the gaming community, whatever you want it to be. Joe, we'll start with you. My favorite moment of the year is quasi gaming related, but it is watching all of the local groups here in my city hitting all of their goals for extra life during this year. Um, It was such a powerful moment and I was proud to be a part of it uh maybe not as as much as i would like uh, like to be in the future but watching everybody come together watching the stream go down watching everybody have fun and get delirious and 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 all the things that we did in the this city really and watching all these different groups and different people come together for one goal made me very very happy and that is probably my favorite moment in gaming of the year that's fantastic vince what about you runner up to the end credits of near automata like the actual like final end credits if you don't know you have to find out for yourself (laughs) but for me it's an extended moment it's basically everything after the first mission in destiny 2 up to regaining your light right with uh, a the music like that is probably the best single track of the year. Uh, I think it's called The Journey, uh, of how like it uses a similar melody, but different arrangements and instruments to go from a very somber track to something very hopeful. It's super impressive, but the way, like, just the story it tells through your lack of gameplay abilities and then regaining them is just... It, it was... V- it, it, it's hard to words. <laughs> I love you, breathless. Because, yeah, it, it, it's it very rarely can a game through gameplay give you a, a, a sense of emotion, but it happened there by taking it away and then giving it back to you in such a spectacular fashion. Awesome. You know, I never get irritated playing when starting over with a new character. I never get irritated with those scenes. It's, which, you know, if you're level 20 and you've got all this cool gear and you know how to use your powers very well, I could imagine it being incredibly irritating, but it's just so fun and so cool. Okay, Marty, what about you? So the minute you fire up Destiny 2 for the first time and it's reading like some of your achievements from D1, that was my moment of the year because it pointed out like some of the cool shit that my buddies and I have done over the past year in D1, setting it up for D2. Uh, and, you know, I got I got emotional like because I see my buddy Will's name and we play all the time. And I know that there are people who talk about this on Reddit and in the Destiny forums about how they would play with a loved one who passed away yeah. and then they see their name again in D2. And it was a very nice tribute for them. And I... I haven't lost anybody who plays video games with me yet, but uh, I do really enjoy going back down memory lane with that. Just as a funny counterpoint, though, I've also seen posts of, gee, Bungie, thanks for reminding me of when I ran a rage with my ex. (laughs) (laughs) All right. For me, okay, I have to to preface this (laughs) because it's going to sound horribly juvenile. But when I had boobs, (laughs) when I was playing Star Trek Bridge Crew, 
I looked down (laughs) and I had boobs. Now, the reason I say that isn't because I had boobs, but because to me, that is the thing that I can tell people as a, a, a reason to try VR, a reason to experience so some, something so drastically different than your norm and the impact that being in VR has on your brain in thinking that you're there. Because I've done the dressing up as a woman at Halloween when I was a kid and, and also as an adult with fake bras or fake boobs or whatever. It's not like there was ever a point in my life. That, like I've looked down and seen lumps there kind of thing. But there's a difference between that and what I experienced in in VR. Now, for folks who didn't listen to that episode, when I first started Star Trek Bridge Crew, when, when you try it, when you start initially, you're not given the option of choosing your avatar yet. That comes later on. So you just kind of throw it in. And as I said before, I don't know if it's random or if you're always a female character when you start off. I clearly have no problems with playing as either. Whatever. Who cares? But... I didn't know that when I started, I started as a female character and it, and it was awesome. And I was playing for quite a while and doing a whole bunch of different things and whatnot and really getting sucked into the game in a very big way because no, I'm not a Trekkie, but I do like Trek a lot and I watch the movies and I love them. Even the bad ones, I enjoy them. So this was really fucking cool. And it, Again, when I looked down and saw a chest, it it fucks with your brain because <laughs> your brain thinks you're there. And now all of a sudden you look down and you have breasts. And it was it was weird. It was so not disorienting, but just kind of like, what the hell? And it, it just it was an experience that I've never had. And it's it's which isn't to say that, you know. I understand being a woman or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. It's just, it was a very cool experience and not from a childish perspective, but from a very cool perspective of like, I've never, this is, this is awesome. I've never seen this. And that's where I, like we talked about it last week about the, the VR being about experiences, not about games. And so for me, clearly that was it. So let's move on again. We have another last minute category that was thrown in and this one by Marty. (laughs) I think this is funny. This is just because you joined the podcast because you were fine before with not playing a whole bunch of shit. And now we're kind of putting you on to shit that you want to try. So games I wanted to play, but didn't get to Marty, you're up first. So uh, anything VR, I wish I have the opportunity to play and I got to figure out what is the best for my price point and uh, tech setup. But the game I really wanted to play, and I don't watch streams like you guys, uh, and that's partly because like I haven't found a streamer that I don't want to like just call an asshole to their face. <laughs> um, I fell in love with, uh, in the Dorcadia podcast, they did a quick play of Wolfenstein and uh, the, the New Colossus. And I watched like three hours of that today in one window while I was fighting zombie space plants in another. So it was awesome. I wish I played this game because uh, I'm not a violent person by nature, but after the events of this year, um, <laughs> just saying, and I want to You wouldn't mind shooting a few Nazis in the face is what you're saying. 
not in the slightest. And like, there are some wacky gonzo shit going on as, as well as some like really heavy duty themes being explored. So it, it looks like it would be right up my alley. Um, and if I was as twitchy as I was in my twenties, maybe as a first person shooter on the PC it would be acceptable for me, but because I'm older and I need the aim assist probably for my Xbox. Awesome. Vince, what would you, I, Again, insert Switch game here because, yep. you know, between Zelda, uh, Mario Odyssey, not to mention like Mario Rabbids, Battle Royale, uh, Battle yeah. Chef Brigade. Like I, I'm looking forward to playing a lot of those next year. Uh, as far as games I could have played and didn't, uh, I really I still really want to go back and play Resident Evil 7. Good choice. Good choice. OK, uh, what about you, Joe? Uh, near Automata. Like, it, it's one of those things where I never got a chance to actually play it. I just haven't had time. Um, I mean, every... I didn't pick it up until Black Friday. Yeah. So, like, I, <laughs> even then, though, there I was couldn't. nine months where. <laughs> yeah. And it, honestly, probably the only reason I've finished it was that I was homesick for like. <laughs> yeah. And then, but it's it's one of those games. The more I see about it, the more I want to I want to play because I played the original near. I liked the original near. Um, I am absolutely intrigued by everything that they are doing or trying to do in near Automata. I just haven't had the time. Well, it's not just, just time. It's just like you said earlier on and, and Vince too, like there have been so many games this season, this mm-hmm. year, like so many stellar, stellar games that there's just no way to get to them all. And just, just to, 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 to give something to Joe here, like I didn't play the original near, because by the time I was interested in playing it, good luck finding a copy. <laughs> um, but I, 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 before I played Automata, like I watched like some YouTube videos of like explaining the story of Nier. And there's a lot of connections in there. Like, oh yeah, they, they mean literally nothing to the story of Nier Automata. But for people who recognize the characters and some of the terminology that's used, you're like, oh shit. Like it's, very, very uh, well executed as far as the callbacks are concerned. Awesome. For me, actually, it was Hellblade. And I don't feel bad about that because I know I will get to it. So mm-hmm. it's just a matter of, okay, that's on the back burner for the time being, and I will get to it. Kind of like Horizon Zero Dawn. I own it. I just I haven't gotten to it yet, but I will. <laughs> there will come a point when I'll get bored with Destiny 2. <laughs> This is what I'm saying, and I will move on to that, but I'm I'm very much looking forward to playing that game. I think that's actually, if I look at the year in review, for me personally, I'm thinking, I think that's probably the most important game that came out that we just need to get more people playing kind of thing, because for a lot of different reasons, but I, I can't wait to play that game. Moving on then, last category for us, and then we're going to be done. Most anticipated for 2018. Marty, we will start with you. So I think it's coming out in 2018, or I hope it's coming out in 2018, but it is Cyberpunk 2020. When you guys, when Joe posted about it in the show notes, I remember uh, Cyberpunk 2020 as a RPG tabletop was the first game I played where I made a character and the character died in character creation. So wait, 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 what, what? (laughs) Yeah. So yes. Okay. So there are a couple games back in the day that had what they called life path. And what Life Path was, was an easy way for your character to generate defining events that happened earlier in your character's life. Because when you look at, like, D&D, in human terms, you're not really adventuring until you're, like, you know, 16. 
right? That's when your character goes out into the world on average. Uh, in some of the more anime-ish games or cyberpunk-ish games or Shadowrun-ish games, that could be your character could be eight and out on the adventure. Your character could be 30 and out on an adventure. And depending on when you started your age, you could actually roll for life events that have happened up to that point. And some of them could actually result in you dying. It was hysterical. Yeah. Uh, but CD Projekt Red is a company that uh, The Witcher wasn't for me, but given the care that they have for The Witcher and what they've done with it, I think it's going to be a fantastic game to, that I cannot wait to play in, hopefully 2018. I, I figured Marty's most anticipated game for 2018 would be Stellaris, because that's all you're playing in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. <laughs> all right, Marty, or, uh, Vince, what about you? Uh, I got like a small list here. Uh, Dragon Ball Fighters, because holy shit, uh, A, what it's doing is as a fighting game and B, the utter success it is of translating the on screen product to an actual game is it still blows my mind that that's playable in game graphics and not just a cartoon that somebody has drawn and you're watching um, Detroit. Uh, we've talked about yeah. that enough. I don't think I need to go into any uh, big spiel but my tentative number one has to be spider-man because it looks amazing super excited to see what they're doing with peter and miles and all that but i reserve the right to kick everything down <laughs> one notch on the list if dot 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 bloodborne 2 question mark is actually a thing fair enough all right joe psychonauts 2 what? Because, <laughs> seriously, like Psychonauts I, is one of my it's valid. Psychonauts is one of my all-time absolute favorite games. Period. And like end of story, like I love it's in my solidly top five games of all time as far as my favorites go. Um, the fact that Psychonauts 2, which has been in production for three-ish years now, is finally having it, it, it's supposed to be released in 2018. I'm salivating to play this game. I really, really am because I need more. I need more Psychonauts. Fair enough. All right. For myself, well, Detroit, same as you were saying, Vince. You don't need to say anything more than that. But the most anticipated for me is Dreams. We talked about it last mm. week, so I'm not going to go too much into it. But it's I'm looking at it not just as a game, which clearly it will be, but also also uh, an incredibly powerful tool and p possibly and for those reasons and a lot of others that's for me i i simply cannot wait and then you throw in the vr aspect as well and that's got me so excited because one of the th one of the downsides with vr as i've said time and time again is that motion sickness that's why i didn't pick resident evil 7 as my favorite vr or favorite game period because that experience in vr while holy fucking hell was for me so nausea inducing that i couldn't play through it all so they i can't you know i can't give it to them with dreams now we're going to be getting a lot of levels eventually that will be created in VR from by people. So there's going to be this endless stream of potentially fantastic levels to play in VR. And if they're nausea-inducing, you stop. 
you move on to the next. You haven't wasted 60, 70, 80 fucking dollars in some cases on a game that you would not know whether or not it was nausea inducing. So there's a lot of reasons for me to be very excited for this game. And that is going to wrap it up for us for the year. As always, folks, thank you so much for tuning in, for listening, and for being part of this gaming community and shooting shit with us periodically. We're very happy that you guys tune in and listen to us. Marty, thank you so much for joining the team. And Thanks for having me. It's going to be fantastic having you on the show. You were not brought in just because of D2, but that's a nice perk, but that's not why you were brought in. And... I, I I think that, as I've said in, in DMs, I think you are literally going to be adding years to this podcast. So, very happy to have you here, brother. And with that, folks, that's it. Have a very happy holiday, regardless of which ones you celebrate. We are going to be off now, all of the podcasts, including the campaigns, the various campaigns, until January. Enjoy your holidays, and we will see you then. Thank you for listening to For the Lore. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince, a movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as Lore Watch, a Blizzard lore podcast co-starring Joe. And if you're into comic books, check out All Comics Considered with Marty and his crew. Lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. You can find him at ManelliJamal.com as well as on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs. Remember that I had a swing in time I'm gonna give it everything I've got Lady luck, please let the dice stay hot Let me shoot a seven with every shot Beaver